So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle Earth. (laughs) If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... (laughs) Sally Ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. (laughs) We're unqualified, but we have ideas. I think we just sort of start talking. Like, hey, welcome to the show. Um, Hey, welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah. This. What are we doing this week? Chapter five and six. This is episode episode five, chapters six and seven. Because we like to be confusing. Excellent. Okay, chapters six and seven of the Silmarillion. And we brought back a ton of characters that we've met at previous points in our world building journey. Um, So we're going to recap those at the top of the show, and then get started on what happened in each chapter. Just before we start, I have a very funny story. Um, because I'm mostly reading this on in an ebook, I just sort of opened the Silmarillion when I was starting the reading and started reading the next chapter. Because I assumed I had just left it at the next chapter. I finished that Not chapter. So much. Be- and the whole time I was reading it, I kept thinking to myself, man... These are some weird spoilers Tolkien is just dropping in here. Like, we're just going to go back in time (laughs) in the next chapter and cover how all this happened. And then I realized I was reading chapter 10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yep. But because of the way Tolkien writes, where sometimes he will just mention something that happens in the future, I was just like, oh, all right, I guess guess this is what we're doing. Well, we'll just roll with it. Why not? Yup. It was very strange. (laughs) <laughs> so we're well, really good at this so good but you know what to be fair caitlin the story isn't exactly linear so i can kind of understand why right you would be confused like why you, you would consider that to be normal until suddenly it and, wasn't and it literally covered like what's happening over in middle earth while all of this is happening in valinor so it was like it actually did match up in a way yeah <laughs> well, there we go all right all right, so uh, let's. Emmy's gonna take characters that were mentioned in these two chapters. Yes, yes, I am. So let's get started with at the very beginning. We have Finway and his wife Muriel. If I'm pronouncing that right, who knows? Um, so Finway was the king of the Noldor, and then he married Muriel, and Muriel had um, Feanor, who was. Um, Her firstborn son, her only son, slightly unclear to me, but um, basically she had severe postpartum depression and just kind of faded away. She just, her soul left her body and she died. Um, And in the book, they explain this as Feanor had more life than any of the other elves. And he ends up becoming this really expert crafter, especially with jewels. And he goes on to create the Silmarils. Then he also marries uh, Nerdanel. I'm not sure if I'm putting the emphasis on the right syllables here. I don't think um, there's any way to make Nerdanel into a good name. So. <laughs> it's not as bad as Tuna, but yeah, it's pretty <laughs> bad. So Feanor and Nerdanel get married, um, and 
all of the elves have like secondary names where like Feynor is an expert crafter or Finway is the king of the Noldor and Nerdanel's uh like secondary name is basically that she's the only person who can talk sense into Feynor. She's the only person who can make him chill when he gets all worked up, which is a little sad. Um Nerdanel's father is named uh Matan Martin, Mutton, who knows? Um, <laughs> and he takes Feynor under his wing and teaches him about crafting metal and stone. Um, and after Muriel dies, Finway, the king of the Noldor, takes a second wife named Indus. Um, and she has two children named Fingolfin and Finarfin. Um, and also sisters who aren't mentioned, because why would we care about sisters? This is, you know... So Tolkien's while world. I was writing the notes, um, I was just double checking some stuff on the Lord of the Rings Gateway, I think it is, and it listed two the two sisters of Fingolfin and Finarfin, and I was like, "What? Those were not in the family tree that's in the Silmarillion." Like that—that that is ridiculous. I didn't even check my family tree in the back to see if that was true, but um, they're not there. They are not. Yeah, they don't. They don't matter. I guess Jesus. we just we just ignore them. Um, uh, it, did, it did say that they don't. Um, they stay in Valinor and don't get involved in the shit that's going to happen. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Some some interesting shit happens in these chapters. We're not wrong. Um, so basically, one of Feynor's claims to fame, in addition to being an expert craftsman, is that he hates Melkor more than anyone in the entire world, which, if you remember our original cast of the Valar, um, that's saying something. So the Valar <laughs> that appear in this chapter are Manwe, our king, Manwe's wife, Varda, who was the Lady of Stars. We also have Olmo, our bro who hangs out in the sea, who likes to move islands for fun. And then we have Tulkas, um, who is like the god of physical strength, maybe. It's not entirely clear. He runs around forests a lot. Um, that's pretty much all he does with his time. And then we also have some random names for elves that pop up, right? Like the Noldor and the Vanyar and the Teleri. Um, and they throw these names around a lot, but basically they're all the different kinds of elves. So the Vanyar are the high elves, um, and I can't remember exactly what their claim to fame is, but I believe they were the very first clan of elves. And they're basically pretty happy in Valinor and don't really want to leave or get involved in anyone else's problems. Yeah, they never end up at Middle-earth, right? If I remember correctly, yeah. they never go anywhere. Yeah, they stay, they're super bros with Manway. Yes. Manway's little friends. Um, Manway's and the cult. Noldor Manway's are the cult. greatest of the elves or something. They're the ones who like, the Noldor are the ones who like to learn and craft and make things and name things. Yeah, so they are um, the protégés, basically, of Aule, who was the smith responsible for building mountains, and he was in conflict a lot with Melkor in our last chapter. Um, and they also have uh, that really unfortunate tuna name hanging out in their clan. The mountain that they live on is called yep. Tuna. Which is just awful. Um, and then the third clan of elves, which doesn't really come up very much in this chapter, but it, you know, if we're going to describe all the elves, we might as well cover all of the elves. They're the Teleri. 
And I now can't remember what they do. They hang out, uh, okay, well, the Teleri and Valinor, um, they live near the ocean, and they make boats, and they like to sail around and map stuff and see things and that sort of thing, and are friends with Orome, I believe. I don't think he's mentioned in this chapter, but one of Olmo's sort of lesser gods in the sea. Right, it was Olmo's assistant who thought about betraying him, but then changed his mind after Olmo caught on. Um, he was last chapter or two chapters ago. It's all blending together for me. But thank you, Caitlin, coming in to save the day. No problem. Um, so then we have two more characters in this chapter. Mandos, who was um, in charge of keeping Melkor locked up. Melkor is our evil uh, supervillain of pretty much everything. Um, evil all evils can be traced evilness. back to Melkor, which means that all evils can be traced back to Iluvatar, but don't get me started. And that's it. That's everybody. I made it. Woohoo! Lots of people. Okay, and I'm gonna take recapping the first chapter, chapter six, which again, I never write down the names of the chapters, because why would I do something chapter that would make six my is life easy? Of Thanor and the Unchaining of Melkor. Wonderful. Thank you, Emmy. Um, so basically what happens in this chapter is Thanor is born, and this leads to the death of his mother, Muriel. Um, I thought this moment was really interesting because it does... It, the first time I read it, it came off to me as like postpartum depression, the way that they describe... They even... We can save this for a discussion part, but they even okay. like treat it the way postpartum depression was treated you know 50 years ago and further back than that they literally just send her away yeah <laughs> okay no we'll we'll move this bit we'll discuss that later yeah we'll okay. talk it later so fanor is born and the line that his mother gives about this is never again shall i bear child for a strength that would have nourished the life of many has gone forth into fanor Meaning that, like, he was born and he basically drained all of her strength and all of her life and all of that and all of the life that she had to give to others is now in him. Um, and this is... Sh and then Muriel dies, which is the first elf to ever die. Uh, that In Valinor, anyway, I, we don't really know what's happening with the Quendi. But as Very far true. as these people are concerned, she's the first elf to ever die. Um, Fanor then grows really fast and he learns a lot and he creates a lot and he's very passionate and very quickly has much renown for creating things. Uh, it's of note that Fanor created the alphabet, the, the Tengwar that we, you know, that famous Tolkien script. That He's the one. <laughs> yeah. Fanor uh, created that. Uh, Finway, Fanor's father, remarries. I forget, uh, Indus, and his half-siblings are born, Fingolfin and Finarfin, and a family rift is described because uh, Fanor's father always sort of favored him, which obviously didn't sit well with the new children, and Fanor didn't really like the new family, and so, you know, there's just some crazy family dynamics going on in there. And then after all that is sort of described, we switch over to some Valar stuff because Melkor has reached the end of his sentencing. 
um, which was to be locked up in the halls of Mandos. And <laughs> sorry, I just read your notes that somebody added here. <laughs> he was Man, alone. <laughs> he was locked in solitary confinement for three ages. And if we consider an age to be, I don't know, but like a thousand years, given the way they describe everything, that is a long time to be alone. And then they're like, you need to come out and you need to be nice to us. Uh, man okay. we trust him because he is an innocent naive baby is what somebody wrote here we Me. don't need to know <laughs> i wrote that emmy wrote that <laughs> um omo and Tulkus do not trust him i feel like i read that mandos also doesn't trust him but then when i was writing my notes i couldn't find that line again but I, I don't think I, he doesn't trust him it sounded like you know that moment in the office where Jim is just staring at the camera? It felt like Mandos was doing that there during this scene. Because he just sits there and does nothing. Omo, uh, as again, I believe Emmy has noted here, Omo was not deceived and Tolkis just held a grudge. He clenches his fists every time he sees Melkor walk by. He's yeah. like, okay, that's mature. Um, Melkor then starts to befriend the Noldor. And um, starts to spread lies that he taught Feanor and sort of mentored Feanor in, about all of his most important works. Um, but this was not true because Feanor, A, didn't want help from anybody, ever. True. And also super duper hated Melkor. And... It's not really described what the origins of that hate is. Like, it might be this, that Melkor tried to take credit for some of his stuff. Or it might be something else. It's not really described. I think it's the moment at the end of the last chapter where the true hatred is born. Um, which we will get to after Rachel accounts for chapter 7. Alright, so chapter 7 is of the Silmarils and the unrest of the Noldor which is basically Feanor making shit, being a shit, and uh, Melkor also doing some shit. <laughs> Don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> um, lots of dudes making bad decisions. So um, Feanor decides that since the light of the trees is so glorious, he needs to preserve it somehow, and so he makes these really awesome stones called the Silmarils. And we don't know what they are, we won't until the world ends, but there are some cool rocks. And um, obviously, because they are some very cool rocks, Melkor wants them. We're all children here. <laughs> um, so Melkor goes around trying to incept everyone into doing devious things for him. So he starts telling the Noldor about men, because the elves didn't yet know that there were some other people coming after them. And so he basically ends up trying to convince them that um, the Valar basically took them away from Middle-earth so that the humans can then kind of have dominion over there and actually supplant the elves. Um, while he's doing this, um, Melkor also pretty much pits the brothers against each other, which doesn't sound like it was particularly hard to do. Um, no, it did not. <laughs> he also, uh, pretty importantly, teaches everyone how to make weapons. 
as uh, Caitlin has alluded to in the past, uh, we didn't really have weapons until now. We've only just had our first death, but we gotta we gotta find ways to kill each other more dramatically so that we have a plot. So when um, things finally kind of come to a head, Feanor actually ends up drawing his sword on Fingolfin, which again, kind of a big deal. We now have pointy weapons. Um, and at this point, basically, they have a council in the Ring of Doom, which just sounds awesome. And <laughs> <laughs> everyone at this point has figured out that, hey, Melkor, not actually reformed, doing some bad stuff. But because Feanor was still pretty terrible and actually drew a weapon on his brother, they banish him for 12 years, um, which... It's so funny to me because, like, what are 12 years? Really? Yeah, right? These people live forever. But um, also, how are they measuring years? They don't have a yeah, sun and a moon We don't yet. have time. They don't have days. I forgot about that. How did they measure ages? Oh, these people. When they feel like it's done, it's done. I don't know. That sounds about right. I mean, um, they, so basically, they do have a 12-hour day at the moment. Because of the the trees do wax and wane, yes, but, but what's a year? how many days are in a year? Yeah, what is this? What is twelve years? Anyway, so this chapter basically ends with um, Melkor showing up on Feanor's doorstep in his new house in I think the north of Valinor. Was it? Or is it the south? Somewhere else mm-hmm. in Valinor. Um, and he has his best chance to actually buddy up with Feanor, trying to convince him that, like, hey, I'll help you get away from the rest of the uh, Valar, let's go be free. But he makes the mistake of also saying that um, you need to get away because the Silmarils won't be safe here. And Feanor realizes uh, Melkor really, really wants them, and literally slams the door in Melkor's face. (laughs) I like. I, I did like think that, that was funny. That you've all caps here. Don't touch my pretty rocks. He did not literally yell that, but that's basically what happened. Should I think it was get thee gone from my gate, thou jail crow of Mandos? And he shut the doors of his house in the face of the mightiest of all the dwellers in Ea. And then his dad was super concerned that something was going to happen. Which, yeah, to be fair. Also I'm surprised pretty cool. that went as well as it did. Yeah. Anyway, pretty cool imagery. Uh, Melkor basically gets away from everyone, trying to hunt him down because they figured out he's still evil by becoming a cloud. I wish I could do that. Like, oh, God, there's my manager. Cloud. <laughs> also, you get to rain on people when you're really pissed off at them. Oh, I like that. All right. So we're actually kind of combining discussion into one this week because these two chapters actually flowed into each other. They did. So, Caitlin, you have some good notes here. Want to start us off? Sure. Um, my first note just comes from when they were describing Muriel, uh, Vayner's mother. Let me see if I can find that here. Oh, that's... Wow, that goes from page one to then she's dead really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, Mira Mira was the name of his mother, oh, because of her surpassing skill in weaving and needlework. 
for her fan for ugh, for her fans. <laughs> for her hands were more skilled to fineness than any hands even among the Noldor. I just think it's funny, not haha, that women are known for their needlework and their weaving, and then Feanor is known for his for like the men do the smithy and the women do the weaving. And even like Feanor marries the daughter of the guy who's really good at smithing. And it's like, no, he, he doesn't learn it from his wife. He learns it from his wife's father. And like she doesn't become Matan's protege. Her husband does. Also, it's funny that uh, Nerdinel is sometimes called the wise in this chapter, um, which, if you'll recall, the Maya that Thingol marries. Uh, Melian is also sometimes called the wise. So it's kind of like women can only have one character trait. Also, a little bit similarly, it's she can sometimes, you know, calm down Feanor, but it's like, heh, they basically end up coming apart completely because he doesn't listen to her. Which also listen, sounds right. The plot of the Silmarillion. All right, if men had listened to women, none of this would have happened. The end. I was thinking about that because if if like a woman had been if Fanor had been born a woman, none of this would have happened because she wouldn't have been a little baby the way he is. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> right? She just would have been like, fine, here, have these summerels, I'll make more. <laughs> like Also, one of the things that interested me about the Silmarils, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but he felt like the light of the trees needed to be preserved, but also, how does he know that anything is going to happen to the trees? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, it is talked about how a lot of elves do have kind of a sense, senses of foreboding about things. He may have just had a general sense of foreboding. It may have also just been a straight up lie. Maybe he just wanted some of the light of the trees for himself. For his rock people. Also, he's been learning from Ale, but we have no sign of Yavanna, so maybe she would have just smacked him upside the head and told him to get over himself, but she's busy Listen, with her trees. The women disappear until you need them for something, and then they come back. That's very true. Um, one of the parts I wanted to talk about in Chapter 7 was Feanor's mom, right? Muriel and how she just kind of fades away and the way the elves take care of her when she decides to die. Yep. Because I it does, it, do, it did come across as a decision to me that she decided not to fight to live anymore. And so she just let her soul leave her body. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you could read that whole description as, like, this is a fantasy novel and Feanor needs a proper, like, fantasy origin, you know? He was so powerful yeah. that, that... He sucked the life yeah, out of his mother. sucked the life out of. But the way it is described, it does just sound like postpartum depression. And then nobody knew how to deal with it, so they just sent her away. In the same way that women suffering from quote-unquote hysteria would have been sent to an asylum. Just so that nobody had to deal with them. Well, yeah, true. Insofar as how history has treated women. But here they... I mean, she's languishing away, and so Finway goes to Manway for help, and Manway takes her to Lorien, right? Um, and people take care of her, and he does go to visit her. 
But when they're like, you know, just rest and we'll help you get better, she falls asleep, leaves her body, and so her body never wakes up. But her body doesn't die, and he keeps coming back to visit her until he finally accepts that she's never coming back. That's so creepy. So she liked the first one, hanging out in the halls of Mandos? I think so. Do you think she visited well, you know, Melkor? Besides That's our bro Melkor. <laughs> I assume they were in two different areas. Like, she wouldn't be in a prison. It's hard I'd to hope know. so. We're going to get too philosophical about the afterlife here. Yeah. <laughs> the afterlife of elves. Yeah. yeah, so they just, like, tended to her dead body. Which, okay, I guess wasn't really a dead body because the body never died. But her soul wasn't in it anymore, so... She's pretty much Snow White. Yeah. In the forest. It's or weird. the brain-dead version of Snow White. Yeah, but I, I'd be interested to know if her heart was still beating or, you know, like, they don't go into that. They ju- He just paints this pretty picture of... Her sleeping her, under a willow. Yeah. But it's also super creepy because it means he was just going to visit his dead wife and, like, I don't know. It's weird and but, like, creepy. Did I know, because... Did they know that she was dead? But presumably, if she's the first person to die, no, maybe they didn't know she was dead. That's a good point. If her body never withered, if nothing ever changed, maybe... Yeah, maybe they just didn't understand what was happening. Which is so creepy, too. Because the the Valar may not have even known what was... I mean, well, Mandos is the god of the halls of the dead, or whatever. So, or the keep, whatever. So you'd think he has... Well, the spirits, though... Right? Which, if nobody's died yet, then the spirits and the dead, like, they don't know that those are the same thing. I think we're going to fall into a loop of things that we don't have answers to. Nobody yeah. has answers to. Because, you know, Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkin, <laughs> Tolkin is dead. Jert. <laughs> I saw somebody going up there, like, on the internet talking about what his full name was, and I just, it was just perfect. <laughs> no, I just don't even want to know what his real full name was. I don't want to ruin this image in I'm my head. I'm going to try to link some of those. Yes. Please yes. link all of those hilarious things. Please that, do because it. Because they're, they're all over Tumblr, and I, well, they're all over my Tumblr, because I follow, like, 50,000 Tolkien blogs. Yep. And you, you replugged some of them, and I, I had know. a good chuckle. They're so amazing. <laughs> okay. I wanted to read a line from chapter six and see if you guys can guess what it's referring to. Yeah. So he he made also he being Feanor, obviously, wherein things far away could be seen small but clear as with the eyes of the eagles of Manway. Uh, what are we? Wait, go again. <laughs> okay, okay. I, uh, I assumed uh, it was a telescope. <laughs> no. So I'll I'll. I'll I missed three words at the beginning. I'll include those two. So, and other crystals he made also, wherein things far away could be seen small but clear. Yeah, I thought that was a telescope or binoculars or a crystal ball of some kind. I wasn't sure what we were going with. Crystal ball is very close. Well, I was thinking of how Saruman has that weird... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the planter. I can't remember the, the name of it. Plantier, he, there we go. Yeah. Feanor makes the, I think there's seven plantier. Well, of course he does. <laughs> Damn right. He's got time on his hands. This dude is such a Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> it is also to note, like, I've read a bunch of theories online. Not really theories, because I don't, well, they're kind of theories. I don't know that people think the, the Arkenstone was maybe a Silmaril. 
And, mm. like, there is technically one you could make an argument that it could be, like, from where that one ends up. I don't think it is at all. But I would, I could get behind the idea that the Arkenstone was something made by Fanor under the light of the trees. So it still sort of has that craveability, in the words of a Griffin Malkor, to, <laughs> to it. Though not to the degree that the Silmarils have. It almost makes me wonder if it was more like maybe the same mysterious material that the Silmarils were made from. Yeah, maybe. I Actually, I'm going to read that line. I like that line. Yeah, so all, all, as three great jewels they were in form, but not until the end, when Feanor shall return, who perished, who perished? Ere, the, <laughs> who perished ere the sun was made, and sits now in the halls of awaiting, and comes no more among his kin. Spoiler not until alert. The sun, not until the sun passes and the moon falls shall it be known of what substance they were made. I love this sentence a lot. Because A, it is just a really pretty sentence. Like, Tolkien could craft a good sentence. And <laughs> B, like, this dude we just met, oh, he's gonna die. Just so you know. <laughs> before the sun and the moon are made. Which, cause he's gonna die before that. And then, after that sun and moon, which don't exist yet, after they die, that's when we'll all get to know what these Silmarils are made of. <laughs> Such a Tolkien sentence. I, it's so ridiculous. Let me just drop all of this ridiculous information in this one convoluted sentence. In a way, it feels like because if you were just reading this as a like a book, you would by now be thinking, "Oh, Feanor's the main character, right? He's the dude we're gonna we're gonna be with for this story." But oh, he dies soon. Yep. Pretty much. I'd, You're like, I'd, hazard, I'd hazard to say it's very George R. R. Martin of him, but I presume that that is the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Do you, okay, just because it does refer to our earlier conversation, do you know what the RR in George R. R. Martin stands for? Ryan Richard? No, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. It's an homage to Tolkien. God, what an asshole. Get your own name! <laughs> Of course it is. Uh, I actually like that there's not some strange coincidence that these two fake fantasy authors both have two middle names beginning with R. But anyways. Okay, um, well, now I feel like an idiot, so... I Well, I can't wait until I'm a fantasy author, and my name is Rachel R.R. Which, the more you say R.R., you just start to feel like a seal. This is a very important conversation about yep, um, yep. Feanor bouncing Silmarils on his uh, we have clapper very, paws. Very intelligent conversations about gender and sexism and feminism and also seal noises. Anyway, uh, <laughs> subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of this great content. Um, where are my other notes here? So I did write down he called her by her names. I don't even remember who called who. By whose names? <laughs> I think it was Fanor and Nerdanel, but like, f I, I just hated that line because fuck you, Tolkien. He called her by her names. Can't people just have one name? Nope. Why? Yeah, no. Okay, where was that? Because I saw that too, and I was like, God, you're such an asshole. <laughs> no, uh, where was it? 
I honestly don't know. Probably chapter six. I don't even know who said this or did this. I think it was Finway about Muriel. And he, yes, here we go. Then Finway lived in sorrow. He went often into the gardens of Lorien, and sitting beneath the silver willows beside the body of his wife, he called her by her names. But it uh, was yes. unavailing. And alone in all the blessed realm, he was deprived of joy. So many names. Okay, but actually, how long ago did we meet her? Did she really have that many, or was it like two? We only got the list of two. Muriel and Serendae. Oh, so we didn't try that hard, cool. is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> only two names, Finway. But, but only then, two. Or Tolkien mentioned two names, but then he wanted us to know that she had others. You know, he didn't want us to go away thinking that she only had the two. <laughs> could be, could be. Well, you know, Feanor helped invent, you know, language and whatnot. So basically, like, as soon as he was born, he just gave his mother 78 different new names. Yeah. Alright, um, it's of note that as soon as Feanor started crafting swords, Matan, the person who, had, his father-in-law, who had taught him how to craft metal and stuff, had a lot of regret. <laughs> <laughs> For good reason. I, it's like the person who discovered gunpowder or something, you know, like, ooh, look at this thing that goes kablooey. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. So... I like that. I also enjoy um, this line about Nerdinel. Seven sons she bore to Feanor, whom her mood she bequeathed in part to some of them, but not to all. So some, so of, the some kids, of his sons are going to fuck some more shit up. Yep. Yep. That's accurate. <laughs> I don't think it's like, I don't think it's hard to see where this is going as literally Feanor and his family are now the only people with weapons. <laughs> like... <laughs> It and is are, very Shakespeare. And are also like these, like they're just not stable personalities. He, Fanor tends to fly off the handle. I have such a clear image in my head of who Fanor is. Like I f feel like I've known people like him. Men, obviously. obviously. Oh, duh. <laughs> Such a dude. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh you okay. go. You go first. Whoa. I f sorry, I felt left out. <laughs> I, I just glanced at my book and happened along while we're on the talk of uh, how the House of Finway is a mess. The line at the, it's sort of at the end of a section in chapter six, um, my page 65, Emmy's page 65, Caitlin's page, who knows what, um, mm -hmm. that basically, if... <laughs> If uh, if Finway had endured his loss and been content with just just Feanor, um, I hated this part. Great evil might might have been prevented, for the sorrow and the strife in the house of Finway is graven in the memory of the Noldoran elves. But the yeah. children of Indus were great and glorious, and their children also. And if they had not lived, the history of the Eldar would have been diminished. So basically, things would have sucked more and also less. Yeah. No, those two sentences are basically like, if he had been content with his lot in life, things would have been different. Which, you know, obviously. That's how it works. In, yeah. If this book was being published today, that, those two sentences would have been deleted as being stupid. On the other hand, we do know because spoiler alerts that if he'd only had Feanor, we wouldn't have gotten Elrond or Gal Galadriel. So, I'm glad we have characters we know. It it's also strange because it's like blaming 
Fingolfin and Finarfin and Indus for Feanor being a bit of a shit. Yep. And I think Feanor <laughs> is actually, you know, an adult who can take responsibility for his own shit. Yeah. Let's not go crazy. Maybe yeah. blame, Finn, blame Finway, because he was probably not a super great dad while he was busy hanging out over his wife's dead body. But There's that. And also, like, it, it doesn't go into this at all. But I can't imagine Feanor being treated terribly well by, like, other elves. Like, because I can see where people would have blamed him for his mother's death, the first ever death. So he probably did Don't not go have making a great me childhood. feel bad for him. I mean, yeah, I could see it. It's like, okay, this is kind of unrelated, but not unrelated. Bear with me. Jody Meadows has a book series. Um, the very first one is called Incarnate, and it's a world where people are continually reincarnated. And so you just, you know, you die, but you find your best friends until one day someone dies and actually dies, and a new soul comes in and takes her place. Um, and people hate this new soul because, you know, they feel like she killed the previous soul. And it was fascinating in a study of, you know, what family means and forgiveness. But it reminded me a lot of this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I've also read that book. I hadn't put that together. It's been a really long time since I read it. Yeah. I think you, like, told us about that book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Back in, in ye day. Well, let's not even talk about what year that would have been. Anyways... So yeah, I do kind of think Feanor probably had a messed up childhood. And a lot of that, I honestly see uh, Melkor, Morgoth, whatever, and Feanor as being very similar people. Didn't Feanor come up with the name Morgoth? He does, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he has yet. But they mention that he does. Yeah, he hasn't done his big shit yet, Melkor. That really pisses off Feanor. I think that's probably the next chapter. And that's probably when he's like, Morgoth, you asshole. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, Mokor and Feanor. Uh, yeah, I just think that they're very similar people because when they were young and trying stuff out, you know, they probably got shamed a lot as, as Morgoth did. And they're both very much like, I want to try new things. I want to do these things. And maybe they don't come from the best place. But it also sounds like a lot of people are not terribly supportive of them or any, you know, like their fathers kind of failed them. I mean, I guess I don't feel like Finway manipulated Feanor the same way that Iluvatar manipulated Melkor, but I totally see the parallel. And I think that's interesting because of how much they end up really hating each other. Yeah. Well, I want to bring in another parallel, but it's a super spoiler, so I will keep it and then forget to talk about it next week. Make a note. Yeah, okay. Uh, (laughs) Go and do that. I do also, I think they both really want the same thing in the Silmarils. I wonder what that is. Like, I mean, Tolkien's writing is very circular, as there's always, like, a piece of jewelry that everybody wants, and it fucks them up. But... I wonder what it is about the Silmarils in particular, or or even if it's like a character failing, or like, why do they want them? You know? I don't think that's ever really gone into, other than, like, eventually, people have, th- there is a reason that other people are after them. I don't, even now, because the trees are still there, so if you want the light of the trees, you can go, you can go look at them. <laughs> right. Go and do it. Although I guess I guess there is something 
to be said for people who want to own things, you know, because the trees are for everyone, but now Feanor owns a part of them. Oh, God, he's a capitalist. <laughs> well, he's not, but he refuses to sell them, so is that capitalism? Never mind, I don't want to debate this. I do think it's it's interesting that, you know, he has these gem things he really likes and starts to hoard them, and there's going to be the bro struggle over it. But um, Varda even, like, helped make them extra special. Oh, yeah, yeah, Varda hallowed them. Mm-hmm. That's an actual, that's a good point, because... Um, I'm assuming this is going to be a plot think, point, right? Yeah, I don't think Now that I... evil can't touch them highlighted that even though that was super important all right i was okay i don't know if this is spoiler alert but it says no mortal flesh um and nor hands unclean nor anything of evil will might touch them but it was scorched and withered it does mortal flesh include the elves no no okay because they're not mortal i assumed not I'd like everyone to hear the question mark that was in the middle of my no. No? (laughs) No? (laughs) No. Um, I I would assume no because, yeah, because Fanor can still hold them at the moment. Sorry, I'm just trying to find that line about how she hallowed them, but... Do you want me to read it to you? Uh, sure. All who dwelt in Amen were filled with wonder and delight at the work of Fëanor, and Varda hollowed the Cimmerils so that thereafter no mortal flesh nor hands unclean nor anything of evil will might touch them. But it was scorched and withered, and Mandos foretold that the fates of Arda, earth, sea, and air lay locked within them forever. No, that last word wasn't there. It just <laughs> felt like, what's that prayer? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, that is not a question I am equipped to answer. <laughs> Sorry. I thought Rachel could help me out. Now I'm going to have to... The Lord's Prayer? No, not the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> like, uh... Sorry, that sentence had a had a rhythm. My Presbyterianism is just deeply ingrained in my mind. I'm Lutheran. We mostly just make up our own prayers. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can erase the word forever. But otherwise, those two sentences are perfect. Yeah. Also, the the heart of Feanor was fast bound to these things that he himself had made. Which, fair enough, that's sort of his right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know why everybody was so upset about that. When I make something, I get really attached to it. He let other people see it, which is more than I can say for, you know, like, books that I've written and are just lying in my computer collecting dust. To be fair, if a goddess had hallowed one of your books, you'd probably show it off. No, if a goddess had hollowed one of my books, I probably would have tried to kill her. <laughs> like, doesn't doesn't that just sound like they removed everything of substance? Everything you no, worked no, no, on? No, she, wrong she hallowing. Yeah, she hallowed them, not hollow. It's They're not hollow. They're like, it's not like she took something out of them. She made them like holy artifacts. All right. Fine. But still, she saw my books. Not cool. <laughs> so... That, I'll take that, that blurb comes, on the front, front cover of my book. <laughs> <laughs> that a goddess hallowed it. This is the new Bible. <laughs> this fantasy book Signed written by Varda. Rachel. <laughs> uh, all right. We might actually be at the end here. Because we've already talked about how Melkor wanted the Silmarils and wanted to take credit for all of what Feanor did. 
And then Fanar shut that door in his face. Bam. Yep. I will say afterwards it says, Then Melkor departed in shame. And I'm like, you and your shame, buddy. You have some issues. Just not, it, it seems to follow you around. It was like the first emotion you ever knew. He's very know. sensitive, okay? His first experience with his father was his father publicly humiliating him in front of his family. And then, yeah, the chapter, or chapter seven, just ends with kind of a feeling of dread. Like, Melkor's gone, and everybody is Dreading like, they knew not what evil that yet might come. Yeah, he's gone. We, on the other hand, know it's gonna be a lot. He does, everybody's sort of like, well, we got rid of him, but he's still out there, and probably some bad things are gonna happen. Probably an evil cloud. Definitely. Yeah, and with that... Um, next week's homework is Chapter 8, The Darkening of Valinor, and Chapter 9, The Flight of the Noldor. Um, so those are going to be happy chapters, I think. Yeah, they sound, they sound really, really optimistic. Cheerful. Yeah. I'm excited uh, for The Darkening of Valinor, which I guess, well, I mean, I know exactly what that means, but one can assume what it means also. The, <laughs> the literal Darkening of Valinor. Chopping down the trees? I, you know what? That's yes. an interesting question. Do the trees still stand, but just like dead? I don't remember. Eh, we'll find out. Quick thing. If you're reading next chapter, if you don't like spiders, feel free to skip it. We'll talk about it. I don't Ooh. think it's too creepy, we? but I know people who mm. intensely don't even like the mention of spiders. So if you're super against them, don't read the next chapter. Well, we have that to look forward to. Yep. If you want to contact us about anything we've talked about today, you can on Twitter at to read Tolkien or email us at you want to read Tolkien at gmail.com. And we appreciate any, you know, subscribing, reviewing, starring, rating is the word, rating on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast platform you listen on. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I've been Emmy. We'll see you next week. Bye. Oh my god. I, I've been watching a lot of curling recently, and our Canadian commentators god, too. on the curling have the most fucking Canadian accents ever <laughs> they groom every, them they groom them for four years for this moment every time they say guard they say like gird and i'm like oh christ no <laughs> oh it's so bad